podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, I'm Eddie Gibbs, and welcome once again to Off The Wall, the podcast here on Anfield Index, where we like to give you a small flavour of some of the content available over on the paywall side of the channel at Anfield Index Pro. Now, if you've been following Off The Wall closely in uh, recent weeks during this coronavirus lockdown, you'll be all too aware that we've brought you some some brilliant interviews uh, in recent weeks. Uh, the likes of Paul Walsh, Mark Lawrence, John Aldridge, John Walk, David Fairclough. Ronnie Wheeler and most recently John Barnes have all uh, have all had shows out where we've spoken to them about their glittering careers and some of those trophies that they've won uh, in their time with uh, with Liverpool. Whilst over on AI Pro subscribers have had two part interviews which have been recorded during this lockdown with uh, with the likes of Steve McMahon, Jason McAteer, and Phil Thompson. Some absolutely brilliant stories. I couldn't recommend uh, AI Pro enough to go and to go and listen to the to what Steve, Jason, and Phil all had to say. Uh, Anfieldindexpro.com to get your 30-day free trial. Now, from next week, we're going to continue the top quality reminiscence audio and uh, winging its way down the wires to you. Uh, we're going to go even further back, uh, and it's some of the highest quality podcast production we've ever had on Anfield Index Pro as we revisit Jan Gorski-Mashir's superb Jumpers for Goalpost series. Uh, I'm going to try and uh, piece them together for you next week, so, so look out for those. But before we do that, we couldn't miss this opportunity to look back exactly one year to the day and recollect arguably the greatest of Anfield's greatest European nights. Uh, and it's that uh, corner taken quickly, Arigi, and all that came with it. Uh, and that happened on the 7th of May 2019, already a year. Absolutely incredible. I can remember it so distinctly. Uh, and after every match on Anfield Index Pro, uh, Trev Downey and the guys, usually Dave Hendrick, Harry Setti, Carl Matchett, sometimes Jim Boardman as well, they get together right on the final whistle and record our post-match rule show. It, it goes on for about an hour, and I always take my hat up to these guys for being able to sit and speak about a game while the emotions and the adrenaline must still be flying around their body. But they obviously recorded post-match roar immediately after uh, Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0, and we're going to bring that to you today. What what were your memories of the night? Uh, I, I can't be the only one who felt we went into that game with absolutely no chance. Uh, I mean, I... All day I kind of told myself, well, I even bother watching this. Oh, I'll keep half an eye on it and do some work. And in the end, uh, by the time the uh, You'll Never Walk Alone beamed out uh, from Anfield, I, I remember just sitting watching it just like I would any other game. Uh, still absolutely petrified whenever Lionel Messi got the ball. <laughs> there was nothing to worry about in the end. It all came good. Uh, do share your memories with us that night. Uh, jump on our Discord community. It's absolutely free to join. Anfieldindex.com slash Discord. And let's uh, let's remember how you felt on that night. I remember being on that community actually after we lost the three 0 game out in Spain and uh, almost getting ready to to argue with people about uh, the fact that Liverpool had no chance and we totally blown it. But uh, in the end, uh, it all turned out all right. Now uh, looking back to before uh, this lockdown and uh, Premier League football was uh, postponed, uh, you may recall uh, seeing on Anfield Index we had. Uh, planned a party, a party at the Paisley Gates in Liverpool. That was going to happen on May the 17th, Sunday, May the 17th, with the expectation that Liverpool would announce the parade in the city to 
present the Premier League trophy the next day or on on the 18th of May. Now, obviously, all of that's been kiboshed and we've had to postpone the uh, the Paisley Gates party. If you bought tickets for that event, then you should now have received an email from Greg Hopcroft with a with a range of options. So do look for that. If you haven't received the email, do get in touch with us, uh, pro at anfieldindex.com, and uh, we can get you a copy of that sent over if you bought a ticket for the event now. We've seen this as an opportunity to commemorate May the 17th, seeing as we had so much interest in that party and sold so many tickets for it. And we're going to try and do what we can digitally the best way we can. And we've announced a free live video event. It'll occur on the original date, 17th May 2020, from 6 p.m. to 11 p.m. And I'll run through the agenda of that. It's going to be completely free. Anfieldindex.com forward slash lockdown if you want to get involved in that. And as a Liverpool fan, it's completely free. It's going to be a, a free live video event. So why not join in? You've absolutely nothing to lose. And you don't have to sit there the whole night. You can just uh, dip in and out of the bets. It's a, it's a full full scale production that we've got planned around this. And I'll, I'll run through the uh, the schedule of that. So Gags, myself and Greg are going to kick it off at 8, 6 p.m. with an intro uh, just to kind of let everyone know what's going to happen in the evening. And then Trev Down, he's going to sit down for Legends Lowdown Live and he's going to have both Jan Mulby and Steve McMahon for an hour. And you can throw questions at them uh, and all the details of that are at anfieldindex.com forward slash lockdown. Then following that, at 7.15, we're going to have Nina Cows, and she's going to do Media Matters Live. She's going to have Jim Boardman, she's going to have Neil Jones, and she's going to have James Pierce from The Athletic as well. So another chance to throw questions at the journalists there. Then we're going to have Pro Plus Live at 8.15pm, and I'm going to host that one. I'm going to be joined by... Uh, some of it, your favourites from AI Pro, there's Dave Hendrick, there's Simon Brundish, there's Dan Kenner, and of course there's Mo Chatra as well. So uh, we're going to do an hour from uh, from 8.15 to 9.15. Then at 9.15, the music, the musician that we had booked for the night is Ben Burke from Boss Night. He's going to be there 9.15 to 10 o'clock. He's going to do around the 45-minute set of some of those uh, absolute banging LFC tunes. Uh, so you you can really look forward to them and watch them from, from home on the night. And then to round things off... Uh, a bit of comedic value. We're going to have late night Desi live. Yes, our, our Desi podcast uh, where Harinda sometimes actually sings. Harinda sings sings. So that's uh, that's something I'm sure that he may uh, he may dabble into again. So gags with Harinda with Cambridge. 10 p.m. late night Desi live. And as I said, all the info on that show and how you can watch it's going to be done via Facebook live. Although you don't have to have a Facebook account to watch. Anfieldindex.com forward slash lockdown. Now, I also wanted to take this opportunity to let you know about some of the content we've released on the paywall side over the past few days. There's the Kings of Europe, a beautifully narrated series, a documentary series uh, by Trev Downey, which features the likes of Jan Mulby, Paul Dalgleish, James Pierce, Jonathan Northcroft, Gab McCotty, and a lot of voices you'll have heard on AI Pro shows in the past. The penultimate episode of that series came out today uh, with Sadio Mane and Jordan Shakiri, and there is only the episode on Mo Salah to come to conclude what's been an absolutely brilliant series. So if you have an AI Pro uh, membership or you have the free trial, you can listen to all the parts of that series. It starts with a two-parter on Jurgen Klopp and then goes player by player absolutely brilliant series i've really enjoyed listening to that and it, it was a monstrous amount of production nina cows put in a power of work to piece that together there's also mobile on the spot uh, jan joins us every week uh and uh he had a show on uh, some of the shows during this have been so funny some of the stories from the past and this week was no exception uh trev posing the questions and jan got into the uh, kimonos at dawn so uh i'm not gonna flesh that out anymore for you go and listen to it jan Mulby, trev downey Mulby on the spot every week there's also AI scouted. Carl Match and Dave Hendrick have been absolutely prolific and on the money with some of the brilliant podcasts uh, during lockdown. Uh, all the Premier League teams got a review in a five-part miniseries. 
Plus, it's an absolutely fantastic look back on Sierra in the 1990s. I listen to a lot of podcasts, as, you, as people know, and uh, for me, that has been the absolute gold-level standard of my lockdown reminiscence listening. I absolutely love that Sierra podcast. They've also recorded a, a, a Premier League 11 from the Naughty Special, which is out now, and it's right at the top of my up next uh, on my podcast listening. I've not heard that one yet, but I'm really looking forward to listening. There's Scouser Tommies, Jim Boardman and Mike Nevin are doing their best to sum up the current mood from within Liverpool itself. They've also recorded a Ray Kennedy special with uh, with guest uh, Carl Kopak, who uh, Carl, someone uh, you'll be very familiar with, of course, if you listen to the main weekly podcast on this very channel. There was a Money Talks this week. Mo Chatra was back for a deeper look at the business side of football and he was joined by Eshin Shah who works for one of the world's leading agencies in connecting brands with the sports audiences. A brilliant lesson. And if that wasn't enough, we've also released not one but two Legends Lowdown shows in the past weeks. Jim Boardman was joined by X-Ray Jim Beglin and Trev Downey posed some questions to the legend that is John Barnes about how football might return in the midst of this uh, global pandemic. Now, to enjoy all of this fantastic content, we wanted to let you know that you can get AI Pro absolutely free for 30 days instead of the usual seven days. All you have to do to sign up is head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com. There is zero obligation to continue after the 30-day trial, and you can cancel at any point. If you do decide to stick around, and we can't fathom why anyone wouldn't, then the cost is only £3.49 per month or £39.99 per year. Now, we'd love your feedback for any of the shows that we do on Anfield Index or Anfield Index Pro. And the best way to do that is through our free Discord community. Uh, it's really worth your while to go and sign up. If you don't use it, don't use it. But I'm sure once you start seeing some of the some of the conversation and debate that goes on there, you will stick around. It's anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord, which is D-I-S-C-O-R-D. Alternatively, we are on the uh, more traditional socials. You can find us on Facebook uh, just by searching for Anfield Index or on Twitter. We're at Anfield Index or at Anfield Index Pro. So here we go. Here is post-match Raw in all its glory following Liverpool 4, Barcelona 0. Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah! Hello and welcome to your post-match Raw on AI Pro. I'm Trev Downey, podcasting to you from beautiful rural Ireland after witnessing the greatest thing my little eyes have ever seen and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool 4, Barcelona 3 in the Champions League semi-final second leg from Anfield are Dave Hendrick, Harry Setti and Carl Matchett bumper edition tonight. As usual, Dave, you get dibs uh, on the first comment of the evening. Um, it is very, it's going to be very, very hard to top that. I said to you in a moment of outlandish sort of uh, excitement immediately before the, the mics went live that that actually almost might trump 2005 for me in terms of great moments and enjoyment. I could be right, you know. It's the single greatest performance by an English club in European football ever ever and it's not even open for debate anymore trev that was absolutely unbelievable it was incredible from minute one it was incredible there's 14 absolute heroes there tonight every single one of those lads has given everything they have for this club for the fans for this project that jürgen klopp is orchestrating there should be 14 statues uh, and Jurgen Klopp has just, he's established himself in the pantheon of Liverpool great managers. It, that's mind blowing what he's just done. This is not just a normal team we've done that to. We've done it to Lionel Messi, the greatest player maybe ever, certainly of the generation. We took him out of the game. Luis Suarez, 
probably the best number nine of the last 10 years. We took him out of the game. Sergio Busquets, maybe the best defensive midfielder ever, ran him off the pitch. What we've just watched is absolutely mind-blowing. And I'm not normally one like who's jealous of other people, but I am incredibly jealous of every single person who was in that stadium tonight and got to witness that game with those lads doing what they did. I'm blown away, Trav. I'm absolutely blown away. It's impossible to be any other way. And just context as well, because, I mean, we've had just a little bit longer than usual, because let's be honest, and we'll just be, we'll, we'll just be straight up with our, <laughs> with our listeners here. Uh, we needed it. We all needed a few minutes to recover, because I was giddy as fuck, if you'll pardon my French, absolutely beside myself with that and i think all of us were and it was general yeah. sort of uh, general sort of acceptance that we take a while because the thing here dave is to what you just described happened in a context a specific context in which our two primary attackers and I think if anyone was ordering them, that's probably the way they go. No disrespect to Sadio Mane, who was freaking immense again tonight, but they were gone. That's a killer hammer blow. Our best attacking midfielder in Naby Keita finally emerging into yeah. his own is gone. Our other best attacking midfielder, who looked as as if he was flirting with being available, was not available in Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. And then that freaking thing happened last night, where a centre-half comes up and blows one into the top corner to make our chances of the league that much more difficult, if not impossible, and down to the last day. That is the context. And this team, yeah. this team of cobbled together lads, puts that performance together. That's immense. We We couldn't find a buyer for Divock Origi in the summer. It's the only reason he's still at the club. We couldn't find a buyer from A year ago, Jordan Shakiri was getting relegated with Stoke. That's more context to this. And Trev, you mentioned that you're podcasting from, you know, rural Ireland. Rural Ireland. I'm currently podcasting from my newly relocated stu- uh, study on the surface of the sun because I'm just, I'm absolutely... I don't even know what where like I, I had to be resuscitated. I've, I've just I've frightened the life out of the dog. She'll never be the same again. Um, I'm I'm I've lost I'm lost words. Well, it's 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 a it's a club we're all in. And Harry, nice to welcome you back to the show after a, a little sojourn away off uh, uh, away from us. Uh, <laughs> what about that for a, a, a an opportunity to make a comeback, my friend? It's. Uh, it, 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 listen again, not not to not to make you have to say daft things about how great it is, but I mean, just in terms of what strikes you most about that, what is it like? What is it, the thing that you hung on to? We all have little things that we notice. What was the thing that really stuck with you? In terms of moments, I think it's probably Trent and just the vision and awareness to do what he did. I mean, obviously Origi, um, I can't even imagine what's going through his head in terms of what he thought he was going to be doing at the start of this season and what he's ended up doing. Um, and also I just, I, I just found myself walking around today, Trev, after, after the result last night and, and the league campaign that we've, we've watched so far and just think about this team, think about the squad, everyone involved in it and just think about the number of times they've shown us just how strong their mentality is and that they deserve something from this. And, uh, you know, when you're seeing Salah getting stretched off and this and that, and you and you, and you think it's you know the worst case scenario, then then you watch a night, a night like this, um, which is just absolutely out of your wildest dreams, really. Um, and it does it does stretch. <laughs> 
plausibility, Harry, doesn't it? I mean, like, let's like, like, let's be completely honest about this. It's a bit, it's a bit daft. It makes no fucking sense. You know what I mean? It, 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 there's a task there that is a Herculean effort that's been achieved. Uh, nobody in their right mind really gave us a, a chance of doing that with that cobbled together team and with Robbo having to go off at half time, especially another kick in the face. Um, it's and just, Fabinho on a yellow card, Trev. I mean, uh, early on, I was thinking we're really going to have to be as aggressive as possible, as you know, as energetic as possible. And seeing him pick up that yellow, and I, and I thought it was unfair as well. Early on, you, you're just fearing the worst because you know how much and how involved he's going to have to be. And I just I thought he was. I mean, we, we, we'll talk about all the players, but I thought he was just magnificent. Absolutely, just uh, just a, the most gigantic performance I think the kids ever put in. I just. So impressive to watch. And Carl, you've had, you have the opportunity to be the most composed of all of us who are a bit gibbering at this stage in the early goings, but, uh, no doubt you'll have something, um, specific that stays with you as well. Or are you still a bit of a mess like the rest of us? If you expect me to come on and talk about this game in realistic tones, you're going to be sadly disappointed tonight. <laughs> uh, that was unbelievable. I mean, in terms of single moments, I think Genie Wine album coming on, um, that you've got to take into account as well as everything that you've mentioned. And there's a lot of obstacles to overcome for this game for Liverpool. Um, not the least of which was the mental blow of what you said about last night of watching Man City do that again. And in the way that they did in the moment they did and all the rest of it. And that was taken out of our hands again. And this is pretty much out of our hands coming into this leg, but we played really well in that first half. And then we get another blow with an enforced change to another key area in, in a left back. And Wijnaldum has to come on and not just play well, but get himself up to the level straight away of our game, up to the level of their players, who are obviously obviously going to come out and try and play a bit better in the second half. And he's come on and made such an immediate impact there. I mean, I was mind-blown, honestly, that he didn't start this game. I know because of recent form and he has looked tired and all of that lot, but of all our midfielders that are left, he is the one capable of scoring goals. Now, even after uh, the last match on Raw and in the scout, we spoke about this, and Wijnaldum was one of the ones I was pretty sure, if we changed system or anything of the sort, would be there as the number 10 because of that ability to get in the box. And it was so, so important that he did that constantly. We saw Henderson do it in the first half, but the way uh, Wijnaldum came on and did it immediately and relentlessly and with such annoyance to his game was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's lovely to be able to pick out a few, like, um, absolute, you know, superstars from what was a bunch of heroes all around. And, you know, you said it earlier on, Dave, and you're dead right. And look, let's, let's get into the meat of the show because people are going to want to hear, um, our responses to the various events of it. And Christ knows there was enough of them. And, um, just to look quickly at how we, how we went. Um, I don't think too many people, Dave, will be too shocked by the Reds lineup. Um, the back four was the back four you'd hope and uh, Alisson's obviously there and uh, Fabinho you would have expected to play I suppose the midfield as always with Jurgen uh, was the one area which caused a little bit of confusion or um, uh, eyebrow raising when you saw both Henderson and Milner in there instead of Ginny Wijnaldum Ginny afterwards Dave I just heard him interviewed in the few minutes that we had before saying I was very angry with the manager uh, you know didn't, didn't mince his words I was very angry with the manager that, that I wasn't playing and it was nice to come on and do that and that is that's an immense moment for him he's had a couple of those this year and then the front line 
of Shakiri and Mane and Origi um, ended up, of course, uh, doing the business in, in so many ways. Uh, but you, you looked at it, Dave, surely like me and went, uh, I mean, they're good lads, but really four goals to nothing against these. That's not really an option. Or were you, were you more optimistic than I was? Do you know, Trev, I spent most of today thinking about this podcast more so than the actual game itself. Because, oh, I know um, that feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, because it's like, I, I thought we could beat them. I did say to Carl on on, on schedule, I thought we could beat them, but I wasn't sure we could beat them by enough to go through. And after last night and, you know, that one in a million goal from company that he'll, he'll never score that goal again. Give him another hundred of them, take out the defense entirely and just leave him with the goalkeeper. And he doesn't even get them on target. Like, um, I, I was just, I was so deflated after that. And then just the thoughts of, you know, we could possibly win. 2-1, 2-0 or, or 3-1 or whatever tonight and, and go out. All I was thinking was like, I just, I, I didn't want to come on tonight and be in any way negative because, you know, we've had an incredible season. We yeah. have nine, 94 points with a game left. Um, we're going to, if we beat Wolves, it will be the third highest points tally ever in the Premier League, which is insane. And I just thought I couldn't see it. I couldn't see that we could get, you know, four or five if they got one without Mo. Um, but uh, Jesus Christ, like Divock Origi, like the, the kid has just every time we have needed somebody to pull something out of the bag, it's Divock Origi. Like, it, nobody would have be- believed that would be possible prior to the Derby game. And since then, he's just worked and worked and worked. And I love him. I absolutely love him. I just, like, he just, he always looks happy. He always looks a little bit surprised. Like, he scores the first goal. The, the look at his face is just like, oh, God, I've scored. <laughs> and then he's run, rushing back to halfway. He gets the, the four. And he, again, he's just amazed that he scored a goal. Um, I just, I can't get over how well those lads have played. And, and as you said, like, earlier on, like, no mo. No Bobby, no Nabby, no Ox. That's four of our 12 best players, I would say. And, and we're without them all. Um, and, and somehow we've beaten Barcelona 4-0 with just, just heart, more heart. I tweeted at 3-0 when we scored our third and went through. I said, let's see what these fuckers are actually made of now. Yeah, but that, that heart again was allied to a, a steel and a skill level. Like I'm talking about high tempo football, especially in that second half, which um, I mean, you, you, it couldn't be condescended to. These lads were playing I oh, mean, incredibly well. Jordan Henderson yeah. twisting and turning and, 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 and doing things that you never saw him do before. Yeah, Jordan Ginny Henderson nearly rupturing his ACL trying to do a pirouette. Incredible. That's exactly what happened to the kid. And Ginny Wijnaldum, who sold all of Barcelona a dummy in the middle yeah. of that was that's the moment of the game though for me. Yeah, uh, is just Ginny getting like three or four of them around him, and then just going, "Oh, I see his later lads <laughs> turning through them." Um, just like when I saw the team, I have to say I was a little bit disappointed with the choice in midfield, um, because of how poor Henderson and Milner had been in the new camp. But my God, Henderson tonight was was phenomenal. Just his work rate was just incredible. You know, incisive passing. Making the runs that we've called for him to make for years. Um, Milner, 
I thought he had an up and down first half, but I thought when he went to left back in the second half, I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, it's the it's the it's the new future for that kid. I because- did love the moment though when he barreled his way into Arturo Vidal, and it was kind of like if he got a rock and hopped it off another rock, and he just kind of they kind of looked at each other, and there was just a little nod of respect as it said, right, well I'm hard as nails and you're hard as nails, so neither of us are going to roll around here. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. it's just and my and the Henderson moment of the match was him charging sixty yards to absolutely clatter Clement Langley, absolutely clatter him. It was like either the eighty ninth or ninety minute somewhere around there, and he just chased and chased and chased and absolutely clattered him and left him as arse and did it fairly. And yeah. I just thought, you know what? It's ninety. We're ninety minutes into this. You've been, and literally every one of those lads should go home and and be allowed to like be wrapped in a blanket for like a week. Because yeah. they must be exhausted, and they were still at it, every one of them. I hope they're allowed to sleep until at least Friday night, and then they pitch up for a bit of training on Saturday before the, the uh, last game of the season. And you know, Harry, just one specific thing I want to talk to you about with that Liverpool team, and again, it's just to focus on the front line because um, there was a supposed potential uh, controversy there that Danny Sturridge, a man who's nominally, you know, uh, you know, our most gifted striker there uh, in, in that position, and um, not only is Dibok in, um, but Shaq is in as well ahead of uh, Danny Sturridge. Now, I'll be straight up and say that um, I've said, you know, on previous occasions that I love Danny. I've always loved Danny as a player, but I just think his effectiveness is sort of a little bit um, um, on the wane for us in terms of what he can offer the team. And I was not disappointed with that from three. Um, I can't remember whether or not you'd be very much team Studge. What were you thinking when you saw that front line in particular? Yeah, always team Sturge in terms of what he's done for done for us when he was at his peak, of course. But I mean, for all the talent Sturge still possesses, and there's there's clearly a ton still in there. I mean, we know we know what sort of footballer he is. Um, legs uh, perhaps are not <laughs> going to be sort of the, at the top of the charts at the, at the moment. Um, even what we saw against Newcastle, you you actually the most impressive aspects of his performance probably were in the dying moments, to be honest, and just how calm he managed to remain. So. Uh, he, was, he was probably quite an effective sub to come on that late as he did today. Um, Shaq, I mean, uh, I've, I've heard you yourself, Trev, speaking with Jan Mulby around it and just where has he gone? You know, and loads of people trying to sort of insinuate there was something between him and Klopp. And you've seen every single week they've been celebrating together. You know, Shaq has that big moment in terms of being ordered over there by, uh, by Van Dyke to take the set piece against Newcastle. Um, obviously, he's not... Yeah, we've seen him before left out of the team and people questioning, can he do some of the defensive work, the physical work necessary um, you know, to really be in a Klopp starting 11? Um, oddly enough, I thought tonight it was uh, the lack of quality on the ball that we're probably used to seeing from him in moments this season. Uh, and actually it was his, his endeavour, his tenacity, his willingness to to try and get those those massive calves around the pitch as, as, as much as he put possibly could do there were moments where you were sort of you know, uh, flinching and wondering whether it was the right decision when he under hit a pass here and, uh, and under hit a pass there but um i mean i i didn't really have a huge issue with it and i thought if you, if you got Sturridge on the bench if you desperately need something if you desperately need a moment of magic uh late on you know, someone like Sturridge is, is is capable of producing it you know um so yeah it, it, it wasn't it wasn't too much of a 
of a horrible call um, in my in my book. It was it was more Ginny that was sort of stunned that he wasn't involved, considering sort of what what a big game player we've seen. I, I think I just saw some stat as well from him in terms of sort of twenty twenty three percent of his goals for us have been in Champions League semi finals or, so, or something <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah, twenty three percent of one hundred scores. That's been so in Champions League semi finals. Oh, that's um, yeah. Well, it's it's actually funny you mentioned that because at, at halftime, I think I wouldn't have been alone in thinking that maybe Ginny Wijnaldum for the aforementioned Shaq wouldn't have been a bad sub because towards the end yeah, of that yeah. first half, the kid was coughing up possession left, right and centre. And there were, Barca are obviously uh, primed to play in the break and Christ, did they ever play in the break? And uh, I think at least there were at least three to four occasions towards the end of that first half where uh, it was Shaq coughed up possession that led to it. So I thought, well, maybe if that kid's not able for it, if he's on the way, a bit, uh, might be time to get him changed, but how wrong we were. Uh, Carl, to look briefly at the opposition tonight, Barcelona, by the way, uh, Carl, just to just to underline that in case anyone's stopped concentrating, Barcelona, who were beaten tonight at Anfield for zip by our team of cobbled together Reds. Um, they lined up, I thought, interestingly, um, in that. There were almost zero surprises, and they went very similarly to how they went the last time. In fact. Did they go exactly like they went the last time? I think they did. Yeah, it was the same 11 uh, started the first leg. Um, I, I tweeted about it during the week uh, when it happened while Liverpool were playing and then mentioned it again on Scouted. Uh, they changed the whole team at the weekend but picked up an injury to Usman Dembele. I'm convinced he would have started this game and if he didn't start, he certainly would have come on let's say early in the second half, it was 1-0 or anything like that, as it was, obviously. He is their counter-attacking outlet. You know, this this team that they have, there are a few pacey players in it, but they are built to dominate. They are built to have the vast majority of possession, as they do most weeks in La Liga. Uh, and he is their big, big, pacey counter-attacking threat. Obviously, they tried to replicate it in the second half with Malcolm, and you could see that the impact wasn't there. You know, by that time, obviously, we were locking up shop quite a bit more because uh, it was late in the game and they brought him on. Aside from that, the only real question was whether they went with Coutinho starting again or whether they started with the change that they made in the first leg uh, in, early in the second half. That was to bring Semedo on at right back and push Sergio Roberto into midfield, which obviously really locked down that uh, left flank for us in the first leg. When they didn't do that, I'm pretty sure when we've seen the lineup, Klopp would have said to to the likes of Mane and that again, get at Sergio Roberto again. You know, we really did have a lot of joy down that flank in the first leg early on, and you can be absolutely certain that we were full of intent to run at both fullbacks tonight. Um, Albo, you know, he's quick and he's very very good going forward, but he doesn't always get tested that much going back. And I think it was quite evident, to be honest, with so much rotation in our front line in the first half, it was a case of sort of systematically uh, testing their their fullbacks and seeing who could get at each one the best and cause most panic out of it. Do you think there was a, a, a sort of a, a practical view then that basically they thought, well, they looked at what they had available on the bench and, <clears throat> and Barca made a hoodie come on to effect in the last game and uh, was brought on again today that it was basically they were going with what they perceived at least as solidity or is there an argument to be made that maybe Coutinho who God, you know, it's, it's not working out for him there. That, let's, let's say that's, that's very clear. You know, he went off to a chorus of booze and uh, another underperformance today. Um, as you had said in the previous show, 
uh, Dembele would have been obviously the the option there, and you've just re- reiterated it. Was there anything else that you thought that, that they should have done, perhaps? Like in, in retrospect, now with with uh, with the nineteen ninety of hindsight, is there something that you think that would have been an obvious thing that might have worked better? With what they had available, I wouldn't really say so. Um, system wise, I think four four two is the right setup for them. It gives them compactness, and they should have a bit of an ability there to retain possession at times you know Rakitic Busquets and then Messi dropping in as the third one and they are a very narrow midfield anyway um maybe the only thing I would say is you know if they weren't sure about Coutinho they could have played Alinea he's very very good in possession he's, he can sit narrow alongside Rakitic he plays central midfield when he can get a game there um but not really with the options that they've got um as I say unless they played Semedo and Sergio Roberto down that right flank to really lock it down as much as they could I don't think there's enough in their squad at the moment. Um, you know, they had Vermaelen and Umtiti and Semedo on the bench. That's three defenders. You know, it shows, if you like, similar sort of problems to what we've seen this, in the last couple of games where we've got a couple of forwards out and then the drop-off is enormous. And it's the same for them without Dembele and with Coutinho in bad form. You've got the choice of either Malcolm or nobody else. You know, they don't have another forward. They've, they brought in Kevin Prince-Barteng to basically play as Luis Suarez's understudy. You know, that's that's been their attempted solution to not having a striker who can just come in and play at the same level, but doesn't actually ever play. Um, so it's, you know, a very difficult and challenging uh, thing to overcome. And Liverpool are going to have to do that this summer. But for Barca, they didn't really have anybody else unless they were going to really call up one of the youngsters um, who did play at the weekend. But that was never really a, a probable outcome in a semi-final. Well, let's let's just reiterate: they did have a three-goal lead to start with. Yeah, and and uh, <laughs> who would do that? Uh, Woodburn. Who would do that? Uh, Brewster. Let's <laughs> look at that. Ben Woodburn couldn't get a game at Sheffield United this season, and we had him on the bench. In a Champions League semi-final, that's how bare bones we are. But on this, on, the, on, on this show, uh, lads, on this cute. show, on on two or three different shows, we have said the best thing about the squad this year is the depth that we have at last, and we're not coming into big games with the likes of God bless him, he's a good young kid, but Ben Woodburn as your go-to mm. guy, uh, who's who's uh, who was a mere child at the time, uh, and yet that's where we find ourselves this evening, and. We still come through it. It's it's it, it is stunning. It genuinely is stunning. Kevin Prince Boateng, I think, is my favourite transfer of of the last couple of years. I mean, if he is the solution, then the problem is much much bigger than you needing a backup for Luis Suarez. Like, yeah. Uh, Kev's the answer. You're asking the wrong question. Is what you're saying, basically. Uh, it is interesting, though, Dave, to come back to you that the the pattern of play of the match. I will. I'll be honest. Like, I mean, we've all just watched that. I would not have said that it was kind of sixty forty to to Barca possession wise. I know there were long tracks where they did have the ball, but it was something about maybe our possession that was so bloody effective in comparison to theirs that I was fooled into thinking that we had at least 50%, if not a little bit more of the ball. But the stats would say, or say, 43% to to, to 57 for them, um, which is quite a stunning stat um, for me. Now, maybe, I, I, maybe I've um, misremembered, but do you, do you know what I mean when I say that yeah. the, when we were on the ball, we carried so much more of a threat that it seemed as though I think there was something more memorable about every time the Reds were on the ball, as opposed to the sort of um, 
tippy tappy stuff that Barca were doing. Uh, it got incisive on, on occasion, but I wouldn't have thought it was sixty percent. No, for for sure. And I mean, I at half time I heard one of them um, on, on the feed I watched say that Barca had shaded the possession in the first half. And I swear I would have sworn blind that we had about fifty five to sixty percent possession in the first half because we just looked so much more threatening when we had the ball. I mean. Their attack basically came down to them having two things that they could do. One was try and overload on the right and then switch it to the left to give it to Alba in space. And the other was to just give it to the South American Shakiri and hope that he could create something. And uh, he was unable to because Fabinho just decided at, at some point that I'm taking that fella home with me and I'm taking Suarez home and I'm taking... Rakitic home and they're all coming home to live on my mantelpiece um, <laughs> just a, a master like we we have watched a master class and like Busquets gave a master class in the first leg but Fabinho did it on a yellow card which by the way was an absolutely disgraceful decision because it's a brilliant tackle and the fact that it's even a foul let alone a yellow card is everything that I dislike about modern football and the protections that are given to attacking players it's mm-hmm. a world-class tackle. He wins the ball, clear as anything. When Suarez was that? Does, what, what, what stage of the game was that? I can't was remember. 15, fifth, somewhere between 15 and 20 in. Yeah. And, and he never took the foot off. Like, he was a little bit more careful um, in terms of his tackling, but he never took the it's, foot off. He, he never lowered yeah. his aggression level. Yeah, it's actually 10 minutes. It's actually 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. Minutes. So 85 minutes he played with that nonsense yellow card. That, that 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 is stunning. Ten minutes in, yeah. Uh, look, Carl, let me start the let me start the, uh, the 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 match with you, and then I'll, I'll go across to Harry and Dave for the next couple of bits. And we start off on on the first minute, and our our buddy, um, Mister uh, Kakir, uh, I think was his name, um, who I guess was at least a, a, a very consistently um, uh, self possessed. Uh, presence all the way through the match. Um, I, I think I had the hump with several things he did, but I'm sure many people did on both sides. But at least he, he was, he was a kind of a calm presence. He got the game going and within a minute was a sort of a flowing reds move. Like the tails were up immediately, Carl, and there was a, a dragged Shakiri shot, I believe, across the box and Hendo almost got there. Um, Robertson putting it up to Messi straight away. Uh, he got a little bit of a talking to about that. Um, Fabinho, like just from the early goings from minute one, two, three, just getting the tackles in. Miller diving into tackles as well, like a mad bastard. We had two corners, I think, in the first five minutes. And the the intent was set. And then before you know it, we have the perfect start, Carl, on six minutes when Divock fires home a rebound after um, Henderson had carried the ball, had a shot um, after I think Sadio had intercepted what was a bit of a shitty Alba header. In fact, I think, if I'm right, Carl, didn't it come from a ball by Joel Matip, which was a crossfield ball? Now, he played some cracking crossfield balls to Joel Matip tonight, but that was a poor one. Alba got to it. I think Sadio intercepts and we go from there. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I think Matip was maybe trying to put a bit too much fade on it or he sort of got it a little bit at the wrong angle, it seemed, and he got underneath it a bit, so it didn't quite carry as much. But it was really, really clever uh, from Mane, actually. He... You know, in those normal circumstances, you would either go and challenge for the header or maybe drop off just behind to obviously be goal side and, and stop any potential counterattack. But he sort of lingered 
in that sort of half space, not quite yet closing down the defender, but also staying out of Alba's line of sight. And that goal, I think, was just perfect for Liverpool. Absolutely perfect. Aside from the fact that it was early, obviously fans beforehand would have been talking about, you know, if we can do this or we can do that, then we'll be in with a chance or we'll be really up for it. And they'd have talked themselves into believing we're going to do this tonight, even before that first goal. All it needed was that first goal to really like the touch paper, if you like. And yeah. the goal itself was like the perfect embodiment of everything about this Liverpool team. And it didn't even matter about the names in the end of it. It was good intelligence. It was a high press. It was a good challenge. It was runners from midfield, which, goodness me, I'm not sure how many times this season I've asked for, but we got it tonight, by God. Um, really, really well taken by Henderson. Aggressive and somebody following it up there. Lovely Origi and uh, echo what Dave said earlier. Yeah. I honestly don't know these days whether when the fourth official puts the board up and it says four or six, if that's the minutes added on or that's how long it takes Origi to realise when he scores a goal because he's, <laughs> he's unbelievable. His, his lack of celebration, mind blown, honestly. Um, that first goal was great though. Uh, it set the tone and I think from that point it probably settled the supporters quite a bit as well um, because we would have we all would have been wanting and hoping that something would happen but the longer it went on it might have got a bit flat it might have gotten a little bit uh easy for Barca to take the sting out of the game or maybe pass it around a little bit more themselves and I think at that point we sort of realized we can really go at these you know we can get at them we were good enough last time to get a, a goal a result anything at all just not the result we actually did end up with and I think that early strike that we got just reminded us of that and it definitely would have gotten niggly if I had a gun on like that niggly for sure. Whatever about what might have happened, what might have transpired, what uh, turn of events. I mean, I'm just, I, every so often I just find myself sitting here thinking, we just beat them 4-0. We're through to the Champions League final. I'm kind of beside myself here. And that will resonate across the continent, Harry, that result tonight. It really will. And as Carl says, that opening goal was the perfect platform for us and we did not relent from there on eight minutes. Divock seemed to be through again versus the keeper, but he seemed to, I don't know, I don't know what he was thinking. Did he, was he thinking he might dummy it or something, but he didn't go for it when it looked as if he absolutely would have gotten there first and been through at least with only the keeper to beat, if not better than that. Um, but anyway, nothing came of that. Sadio then went down in the box versus uh, Sergio Roberto. Um, a little bit of a penalty shed, but I think most uh, experts in inverted commas have decided that it wasn't. Um, and it was at that point that we saw this amazing Fabinho tackle on Suarez, a tackle which um, was going to be absolutely vital, the type of thing which, which, which Fabinho did at that time. And it should have been, again, a tempo setter, a mood setter, a reminder to Anfield of how good this kid is and how much a part of our future he can be. And instead, he ends up re receiving a yellow card for a perfectly good challenge. Um, and you mentioned it yourself. That set him up with a tremendous handicap, which he went on to overcome. No, absolutely. And I mean... One thing I took from the first leg, I mean, uh, you never want to sort of label the side completely like that, but I, I was struck by just how often um, the, the Barca players were getting free kicks, were going down, were looking for the foul, looking for the cards, obviously, um, in the first leg. And then you know, when Fabinho picks up that, that yellow card so early on, um, and you know how he wants to play and you know how we need him to play in this sort of game. I mean, you, you, you fear the worst, especially when it's Suarez who he's seemingly in a personal battle with because you just know <laughs> that this is a guy who's going to play on him all night, look for any any sort of chance you can possibly get. 
to getting sent off. I mean, th- these are the sort of um, tactics we know. I mean, Suarez will do whatever it takes to win, and, and we we spent years cheering that on. And, and but you know, when you're up against it, I mean, again to go back to the first leg, is the first time any of us got to witness what it's like playing against him, and it's a it's a complete pain in the ass to play against Luis Suarez. Um, and so so early on, I, I was worried about what that would do. Would it limit him? Would he go inside himself? And uh, as we mentioned earlier, Trev, I mean, he, he just grew and grew and grew from it. I'm not sure if anybody had a word with him, but in, in the sort of 10 minutes after that, after that foul, he was getting involved with verbal. Suarez again was going down, and I, I thought, is he going to lose his head? And it was just another one of those scenarios where you, you didn't want it to happen. You, if, if we were going to lose the game tonight, you, you wanted it to be you know, 11 v 11. Ideally, you wanted it to be with our best players, and, and, and we didn't even have that at our disposal necessarily. Um, so I, I was just delighted that he managed to keep his head and not only focus on the defensive side of the of of his game that we know he's uh, he's grown and grown and and been imperious for us on that side, but also you know, looking for opportunities to you know, relieve pressure, set up attacks. He was he was constantly progressive uh, whenever he could be. Um, and it's just yeah, just just a huge player to have on that pitch alongside. I mean, the likes of Van Dyke and Allison. I don't want to single people out, but we've talked about the spine before, and, and those guys are just absolutely immense in a situation like this to to show that sort of mentality. I think single out away because I think it's very important. It is the difference between a good team and a great team. And that spine that you mentioned has been at least pro- pretty much ever present um, when the great things have been happening. I think you're dead right on that. And by the way, Carl, I'm just going to come to you next on the next little, uh, or sorry, Dave, I'm going to come to you next on the next little bit here because I don't know if you've, if you fellas have your social medias open or anything like that simultaneously, but if you haven't, do yourself a favor at some point and just look for Nabi's reaction to reaching the final. Nabi Keita, <laughs> a video of him uh, sitting in his living room, and we see the we see the the t- television screen. We see uh, Divok and, and and a few lads celebrating, and it pans across to Nabi who gets up where he's got some sort of cold compress on his fucking groin. <laughs> And he gets up and risks injuring himself again. He's sitting there in his Liverpool shirt at home. And he is thrilled to bits. And I just thought with the chat of Fabinho, there's another newcomer. And a kid mm-hmm. I think we all we all are really, really fond of. A fellow who has a massive place in our future too, Dave. Um, and it is, you know, just on a moment like that, it, really, it is quite poignant. Because a fellow like that, what an opportunity it would have been for him in his first season. Uh, it is it is grim in the way that it was for Ox that, that, that he'll miss on that final yeah it is and you know like I don't know what we got nearly a month till the final so send him to that doctor that Guardiola uses he'll be fine within two weeks it'll be alright um, yeah. uh, Harry's right I mean, the, only reason, the only reason we can't single out players tonight is because we would have to single them all out and it would take too long and that would be the entire podcast but I do want to single out Fabinho again, um, and I'm going to be a broken record on this. The, Trev, the greatest midfield performance I've, I've ever seen in a European semi-final was Roy Keane in Turin when he got the yellow card and then just single-handedly drove that Man United team to overcome Juventus. And I think Fabinho tonight has matched that level. I I, th- I think it's just incredible. And a few a few weeks back, or maybe a couple of months back, I can't remember, but we played a game and he got booked early in the game, same as, as tonight. And the commentator spent about 20 minutes saying that Klopp might want to think about taking him off 
might want to think about taking him off now that he's yes. got a yellow card. Yeah, I recall that, yeah. Great defensive midfielders love a yellow card, and they just get better when they get that yellow card. And he's he is a great defensive midfielder. He's a world-class player. And Virgil van Dijk is a world-class centre-back. It's and intelligence, Dave. It's it intelligence. It's, That's it's the difference. It's game intelligence. And it's yeah. it's knowing... It's it's bravery as well, and it's knowing when and what the line is. And he, Fabinho established the line early on with the referee, because it's not like he didn't give away any free kicks afterwards, but he knew when and where to give his free kicks away. And they were all very intelligent little fouls and little niggly things that he was doing to put others off. And I think... I think he got right in Suarez's head because I think Suarez thought this fella's a bit quiet and I'm just going to get right inside his head. And he started screaming at him early on. And Fabinho just screamed right back at him. And when Suarez was lying on the ground, rolling around and Fabinho got his yellow card, Fabinho went over and screamed at him and let him know, like, I'll put you there again. And from there on, what did Luis Suarez do in the game? He had one decent chance and Alisson made a very good save. But aside from that, he was a non-factor. And it, a, a big part of that goes to Joel Matip, who for the second consecutive game against Barcelona was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Virgil showed what we've seen all season, the best centre-back in the world. Trent, I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold is just such a special player. He's phenomenally good. Everything about his game and the difference he makes to us when when he's in the team is is just it can't be measured. He's so good and he's going to get so much better. It's an but, intangible as well, David. Yeah, it's, it's one of these intangibles. But it's lovely to hear a scout's voice at the end of the match. It is. Um, it is. Talk, talk, talking into the microphone. Your um, scout doesn't say he's a wool because he's from West Derby, but well, you know, you know, I think they'll take him tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they're, if they're yeah, not claiming you know, him tonight, they they, they can borrow. But like. You know, the next, from Fabinho getting the yellow card, it didn't stop. It didn't stop us. We were just so aggressive. We pushed on to them and we forced them back. And, you know, with a little bit more quality in the final third, we really could have opened them up a couple more times. You mentioned Shaq earlier on. I, I saw your tweet at halftime, Trev, and I was going to reply that I fully agreed it might be time to take him off because he was... His work rate tonight, by the way, if anyone had any doubts about him, he's put them to bed. The work rate tonight, Gary Neville owes him an apology tonight again because his work rate was incredible. But he was struggling to, to get that final ball. And maybe he was putting a bit too much into the off-ball stuff and it was you know, affecting his ability on the ball. But himself, Henderson had a couple of stray ones. Milner had a couple of stray ones. And it was a little bit frustrating. And you could kind of sense that... You know, if it keeps going like this, we might we might start getting to the point where we start to force things a little bit too much because we've seen that from Liverpool teams over the years. But that never really happened. What did happen was Barca, as Harry said, they kind of got into a pattern of getting the ball and just trying to win free kicks and trying to run down the clock. And that played right into our hands. They didn't seem to have a purpose. They didn't seem to have a plan. Their plan seemed to be, well, we're here with a 3-0 lead. So, you know, we're through. Let's see if they can beat us. And, like, when we got into the second half, they, they didn't change. Nothing nothing changed for them other than they got a little bit more defensive. But, you know, we were just on the front foot nonstop. And the, I I saw a graphic pop up with about four or five minutes left. Um, it, might, it might have been when the injury time was, was beginning. Um, and I said we'd outrun them by about six kilometers. 
And that effort that those lads put in was just insane. Like it was, it was, it was. And, and, and Carl, we, we endured a little bit of a wobble in the immediate aftermath of Fabinho's yellow card because there was a chance in 30 minutes. It was quite a flowing move by Barca. Um, Messi, his shot is saved by Allison. Uh, Allison's contribution tonight, again, immense. Um, then there was a Joel Matip tackle on the same player on Messi again which was tremendous. But thankfully, I think it ended up that um, Messi was offside anyway. But it was a great intervention by Matip. On 17 minutes, Alisson is saving from Coutinho. And then on 18 minutes, it's Messi again. Uh, this time, he's shooting narrowly wide. Uh, as a corner breaks to him, he shoots narrowly wide of the near post. Uh, it was a little bit of a storm in a teacup that the Reds had to endure. Um, then we sort of started to do what Dave is chatting about there, reassert ourselves. Great Henderson tackle, for example, on Busquets, which was ruled for, ruled a foul, um, uh, when it never was. In fact, I believe at one stage VAR was checking it for a red car, which is just, dumb um a lovely bit of extra on a tackle from milner on suarez uh which was what i think they used to call in the in the old days a reducer uh to upset him a little bit and then on 21 minutes we start to turn the tide a bit carl the reds have a bit of pressure it results in a robo pullback hendo has a bit of a toe poke goal word but it's blocked then on 22 robo ends up having a dig um and we all know robo can't shoot but this is a good shot across goal and it's really well saved um um after sadio has dragged it back to him um we we were whatever sort of uh, wobble there was it was endured and the tails were back up again immediately yeah i did spend part of that uh, period of the game sort of shouting the same thing over and over that we don't need to go and score the three inside half an hour and just to get ourselves in position um you know not surge everything forward every time we get the ball just make sure we play our way back into the game play our way back upfield because the players that we had on, especially in that front line with Origi and Shakiri, you can't expect them to build up and to play through the lines and all the rest of it in the same way that our usual players do. And so it was important to get them on the ball as often as possible, really, really high upfield. Let them press and let them challenge and do all the rest of the stuff like that. But, you know, with Origi in particular, we saw the two sort of extremes of him throughout the game. That he's very, very good at holding the ball up sometimes. He's very, very good in the box when we need him to be. But anywhere outside, not always, you know, not as refined, not as sure of first touch sometimes. But there was one cutback from the left, which, you know, they were basically three on one with Allison if it had been the right pass. But they looked for Messi and passed to Messi. And that it was after we scored and they could have really easily equalized there. Um, but they made the wrong pass just you know because it was messy and that's who they give the ball to and we did get away with that and I thought after that point it it slowed us down a bit and we got us got our help got our heads back in the game and uh, as you said before started working our way back upfield in a much more methodical way then yeah we did and Harry I mean there was there was there were several incidents. I mean, you know, there was a, a, a great bit of an interception by Robertson on 24 minutes. We've got the the cop. I mean, and it'll be it'll be an interesting take um, from from all of you when we when we get towards the end of this. I mean, the reception for Suarez and Coutinho. I don't I, honestly. There's no love lost there with me at all, and I, I may I would make my feelings about that fairly clear. Um, 
But at the same time, I don't know how I feel about this boo and crack. I always thought we were a little bit better than that kind of nonsense. But at the same time, if if it's what everybody's doing these days, you know, fine. If if it's what all the kids are at, then fine. Um, and certainly there was uh, quite a lot of it for both Suarez and Coutinho. And there was a full fuck off Suarez chant going at one point there about 25 minutes in. And then Henderson we saw down in a heap on 30 minutes. Now, he really looked, as Dave said earlier on, as he was trying to, pull a, a a very slick little kind of bit of skill and a, 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 a you know a sharp twist and turn on the ball that he'd absolutely done his knee but thankfully it was just a bang in the end he was able to play up he was up and he was back at it um Sadio was fouled by by Langley um as we broke and got nothing for it and you know that was sort of a slowly emerging pattern I thought in the first half where Barcelona were offended how little they were getting, but I think the Reds were getting far less. Um, Shakiri's ball quality started to just drift a bit at this stage. There were some good tackles by Henderson, and all of a sudden now Robertson is limping. You know, um, this is about 39, 40 minutes, whatever. He's had a clash with Suarez, and when we looked at it, Harry, uh, the lads in the BT studio were trying to blame Suarez for it. But from what I could see, Suarez does kick out at Robertson. But I think it's got more to do with the way in which Rob Robbo plants his foot. Maybe I'm being overly kind to little uh, Uruguayan, but um, uh, maybe not either. I mean, what, what was your take on Robertson in, Robertson's injury and how it occurred? Yeah, I mean, nothing would surprise me. I mean, I've not, I've not actually seen multiple replays of it. Um, I mean... As you say, I mean, we've we've seen similar stuff from Suarez beforehand, but I mean, it was it was just more dejection of seeing Robertson down because, I mean, in that first leg is absolutely you know, gargantuan performance, and, and and to be honest, in, in every single game we've seen him in the season, he, he brings that tenacity you know, more than anyone else really, and um, to see him down and and to think about the options that we had there and whether it would, would mean compromising. Uh, you know, in terms of midfield and what we could potentially do there. And also the worry, because I knew that they had, is it, is it that guy Samedo on the bench who I remember in the first leg, I was, again, I was just stunned by how quick he was. So I was, I was pretty worried about them bringing him on even even earlier than they eventually did and what that could potentially, um, you know, if, if they could potentially hurt us down there. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to get into too much over whether Suarez meant it or not. I mean, it was more just, concern about someone who's been so integral to our success this season um another one of those players you know us having to do it without them and in the end i mean we did without another one of those key key players um who's uh, spurred us on so much uh, throughout this entire campaign so yeah it was a, it was a daunting moment trev yeah it, it was and, and just to stay with you for the next little bit as well i mean you know um <laughs> you know he gets up uh, does Robo and uh, gets on with it. Uh, and on 41 minutes, Shaq cuts in. He clips a ball over the top. It's a lovely little dink, to be fair to him, in terms of creativity. Uh, it looks like he's starting to find his feet. But PK got there just ahead of Sadio. It was a very good intervention. Um, otherwise, Sadio was in. On 42 minutes, the same man, the aforementioned injured Robo, is digging one with all his might from distance. It's a really, really good long shot it's blocked um but again we see a bit of rustiness from Shaq to to cause a a break after a week pass uh Busquets picks up a yellow uh for a foul on Fabinho in 45 
Suarez at this stage is fairly much in Joel Matip's pocket. Um, it, obviously, there's 45 minutes to go and you don't want to be saying that, but it's starting to look like that. And Shaq managed to lose the ball again in the added four minutes and they broke again. And on 47 minutes, Messi dragged the shot wide. Uh, you thought, surely Shakiri can't do it anymore. He gives it away again after a corner this time. And Alisson has to pull off a fantastic save from Alba. That was what prompted me, Harry, to say, Christ, maybe that lad's just not up to match pace at the moment. And maybe it would be a good idea for us to bring on Ginny Wijnaldum. Now, as it happened before the second half, uh, fate would intervene. And when Andy Robbo got back to the dressing room, they decided he wasn't able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just it just worked itself out that way in the end. Um, but I'm sure you weren't the only one, Trevor. I mean, at halftime, I was sort of messaging my dad and just wondering, let's give Shaq ten minutes and 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 just see what he can do. Maybe he can shake the cobwebs off and uh, and rediscover his uh, his ability on the ball because we know he's got that. I mean, that's the one thing we sort of knew that we could at times rely upon. Um, so I was wondering whether we could give him sort of ten minutes. And you know what Klopp's like as well. He's 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 loath to just hook players um, unless. Yeah, absolutely has to. Uh, so I wasn't sure whether he was going to come out after the second um, or for the second half, rather. But you mentioned that save again by Allison right on half time, and you, you're just wanting another big moment, another big character in this team. Um, and I'm sure that there are plenty of them that went up to Shaq during that half time and just you know, reassured him, g'd him up a little bit. Maybe Joel Matt went over to him with one of those sort of you know, classic John Matip just you know, looks of disappointment and anguish, and and, and maybe that did uh, everything that was needed for poor little Power Cube because he came out and I thought he was, uh, if anything, more consistent in the second half. Although there were still some moments from time to time. Yeah, but to be fair, it did make a massive difference. You're dead right. And by the way, lads, just uh, for your own um, individual, um, yeah. Uh, Affirmation, self-affirmation. Have a look at the little thing I posted of Ginny Wijnaldum selling the entire Barcelona midfield the dummy there. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, Carl, as the second half starts, we start with what at this stage had been a pattern, a pattern we were all too familiar with in the past and we'd started to eradicate, a pattern of shite corners to the near post which get intercepted by the first man and it happened again. Uh, we needed some good cover from Henderson because yet again our corners led to attacks uh, for the opposition. And like I say, when I say again, I mean, again, as in it's reminiscent of the bad old days, um, it, it, was, it was kind of it was starting to get like surprising because we did have the aerial threat and we weren't trying to pick it out with deep corners and on 47 minutes Shaq has a cross that's just a little bit too high for Ginny Wijnaldum and we start to go oh well maybe there's something here on 50 then there's a, a ball over the top for Sadio but Sergio Roberto gets there and it's a corner on again 50 minutes from that corner Virgil van Dijk actually from the first corner it seems to bypass the first man he gets there uh, with a little bit of a weird back heel flick uh, and it's directed at right at goal and Ter Stegen makes an incredible save to be fair to him um, and then on 51 minutes they break the far end and Alisson has the save from Suarez that was I think what one of the Dave mentioned earlier on, Rakitic picked up a yellow on 52, um, with Sadio showing like immense strength, like he did all the way through the game, um, to hold possession 
uh, uses body strength, great touch, great control, uh, shielding the ball. And we know that that has the pace to, to, to burn up any defender if he wants to. And he was, for a non-scoring uh, uh, performance, I thought he was immense. But we're leading up to the moment, Carl, on 53, where we go 2-0 up. And it is Ginny. And uh, it comes from Trent robbing possession. Uh, a deflected cross of his uh, comes to an album. Uh, Thursday gets a bit of a hand. But Ginny's finish is true enough to put us 2-0 up on 53 minutes. Yeah, I mean, that was a very, very busy start to the second half, really, um, which was probably what we wanted. Um, maybe not in terms of their chances that they had, but certainly with us getting numbers forward again, making sure we still got runners in the box. Um, like I'll be honest, I was a bit concerned at having Milner at left back for that second half um, because, you know, it's such an important outlet for us at fullback and the deliveries from wide and all the rest of it. And you're spot on the first half set piece corners or everything that we put into the box was near post cleared by the first man very very frustrating um it was one of the key areas that we'd spoken about in the build-up to the game that without all you know our key forwards and goal scorers and all the rest of it set pieces that we've been so good at this season had to be right you know that had to be basically one goal for us uh tonight if we were going to get three one of them had to come off a set piece because we're so good at them and because we have the better of them in the air and physically. So I was really disappointed with the first half ones. But as you say, they did get better straight away there. And to be honest, that one where Van Dijk got in a bit of a shot there, I was screaming for a penalty. He's pulling his shirt all over. I'm not sure if it was uh, Clement Longley who was on him or maybe Busquets, but whoever it was, was nearly ripping the shirt off Van Dijk as he got a, a backheeled shot in. Um, so that was a bit frustrating at the time, obviously, but the runs into the box, those runs from midfield. I mean, if Wijnaldum had been playing that role all season long instead of playing sort of that second midfielder who sits in quite a lot, I, I have no question in my mind he would have had double figures and goals for this season. He's the best one we've got, most capable of doing it. He's been playing that role, uh, getting into the box for a long time as you know, almost a second forward as he does for the Netherlands now or a, a pure number 10 as he did with the likes of Newcastle. And he got his rewards for it. And you could see that he was very, very annoyed, like you said, after the game about not being in the starting lineup. Um, and in all honesty, that's my favourite kind of genie, Wijnaldum. Um, I can't remember, was it against Bournemouth or Huddersfield or someone like that, where he scored and there was a, you know, a, a big outburst from him after he, he was running away celebrating. And you could see that he was annoyed at having not been in the team for a few games before that. And it looked exactly the same today. Um, and the best thing about it was that he just carried on doing it. You're right, yeah, there was, and it was joy, rage, and I spoke about it at the time with you, and it, it, it was the same thing again, and Dave, we did not have long to wait until we saw a repeat of that exact emotion, because the goal goes in on 53, but we do not relent, the Reds are completely on them like a rash at this stage, in the way that... We've seen uh, over recent years, even going back to the time of Rodgers, but especially since Klopp's come in, we've seen these spells where it's almost as if, like I describe it as shaky camera moments, where the atmosphere is almost reflected in the sort of, uh, in what you're seeing. It almost seems as if the whole viewfinder is shaking a bit because the, 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 the Anfield roar is going. The Reds are absolutely on top. And we take all of seconds 
to register the third goal. Again, it's Wijnaldum. This time it's from Shaq, who goes on to make us and make me uh, uh, my halftime uh, appraisal uh, look daft by supplying a wonderful cross. Um, it was a neat bit of play. It ends up coming back to Shaq. He, he swings over a beautifully shaped cross. But the header by Wijnaldum is underrated here. Mm -hmm. The header by Wijnaldum is not just simply him getting to it. It's deliberate and it's in the top corner and it's wonderful. And it shows what Carl is saying there, that this is a man who can do these type of things if you give him the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you have to remember, Ginny Wijnaldum is about 5'8", maybe 5'9", in a push. This is not a big guy. But he's got incredible spring and the power he generates in that header and the placement of it is just phenomenal. It's a great cross from Shaq and he, he justified Jurgen Klopp leaving him on because he could have made the change at halftime. I know Robbo had to go off, but he could have made a second change and pulled Shakiri because his first half performance wasn't particularly good. The work rate is probably what saved him because he was working so hard in the first half and he kept that up in the second half. And we saw bits, bits more of his quality. And that cross, it's just, it's, it's brilliant. And it picks out a small man in among the trees because Barca have some big centre-backs. And it's funny, like, you know, if you'd said to us before the game, Liverpool will win 4-0 and they'll get three goals from crosses, um, you know, you, you would have thought, OK, well, you know, Divock will score with a header and maybe Virgil will come up for a header or, or Matip or whatever. But the fact that it's, you know, two from Ginny coming off the bench, um, and the fourth that we'll get to. It's just it, it shows that this team doesn't just doesn't know when they're beaten. Um, they just have no idea of what losing is, and we're just we're we're an absolute force of nature at home, and we do have to give special credit to the crowd tonight because in that first half in particular, they could have gotten frustrated and they didn't, and they stayed behind the team the whole time, and they got louder and louder, and then the second goal went in, and they got louder again. And when that third goal went in, I actually thought they might have to cut the audio feed uh, because you couldn't hear the commentators for a good three or four minutes after that that third goal. They were just, the crowd was absolutely bouncing. And, like, I actually started to, to tweet about Ginny when he scored the first goal, and I hadn't even finished it by the time he scored the second goal, which is how yeah. quick they came together. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and listen, at this stage, wh whatever you're doing, wherever you are, if you're driving to work, if you're in the gym, if you're cutting your lawn, whatever you're doing, just just take a second to realize what is being described here, because we are very privileged, all of us here, the the uh, the whole all of the members of this podcast and all of the members of AI Pro who've been working with you all year. We're so lucky that we are part of this era. This era, as opposed to imagine if we come online during the Hodgy years. Imagine if we come online during when things started to go wrong for Kenny and nobody knew what to do. It was like looking around and your favorite uncle and things aren't working out. And here we are. We are heading to the Champions League final again. And I, I just, I hope. Sometimes I worry about the fans that I hear and see because it's almost as if they're taking this for granted. This is not to be taken for granted. This is fucking remarkable. And I hope, I just hope people are wringing a little bit of happiness out of it because I swear to God, I had at halftime about 30 seconds of scrolling through. I just want to say a few things. And I had 30 seconds of scrolling through my feed. 
And it was all people saying, well, I said this would happen. Well, I said this would happen when we didn't do this, when we didn't do this. This is the result. And I just, lads, have a laugh. Seriously, this is fun. And Carl, just to go back to you quickly before I go to Harry for the next section, the the press even immediately after the goal on 55, the third goal, was unreal. Like the tails were up. The 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 the, the uh, intent was ridiculous. There was actually a great chance to hit again. Hendo found himself free on the right at three 0 up, but he ended up hanging up what was a bit of a tame cross to nobody. Uh, and it the, the 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 thing went away to nothing. And then they made their change. They brought in Semedo for Coutinho, which. Uh, Again, everything seemed to be as it was in the last game. Uh, Henderson then sort of made amends with a great cross in 61. Divock was doing bits, holding the ball up and getting his body in the way. Joel Matip again picks up a yellow card this time for taking out Messi when he was through. But uh, he stopped uh, the, the free kick. That was a, a result of of that foul. So he's making up for his own thing. It leads to a corner. They have a chance on that. 67 minutes, I think it is. The ball ends up breaking to Messi. He's onside, but Allison saves at the near post and gives away a corner. Within two minutes of that, again, Joel Matip involved, this time showing the other side of his game. An incredible diagonal ball to Milner, who ends up getting a good cross but nobody's there for reasons best known to themselves, probably because they're all fucking exhausted and have been just then defending a corner. But Matip, yet again, uh, Carl, yet again, that fella emerges with such credit. Yeah, he was phenomenal. I mean, you know, we could go through the team 1 to 11 and say how amazing that every single one of them were in their different ways. Uh, those crossfield passes, I absolutely loved them. We saw probably half a dozen of them tonight. There was one absolutely brilliant, glorious pinged one from Trent from one side to the other. I think it was to Milner. Uh, Matted with a few of them, like you say. They were everything sort of embodying this team being confident in themselves, but confident in the teammates as well, knowing exactly where everybody else is going to be, knowing the right time to switch play and just open it up again. Uh, it was great to see. Um, when they made that sub, Simeiro coming on, I think it was... Uh, let's say five or six minutes of a bit of cat and mouse sort of thing, just waiting to size each other up because of how much that substitution changed the first leg. I think uh, we were all sort of, well, all the players rather were waiting to see whether that would have an immediate swing effect on the game uh, and credit to us that it didn't really let, it didn't really happen this time. We didn't allow it to. I got to say from three, three until the final whistle, I thought Jordan Henderson was oh, unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. On the ball, maybe not always. He gave the ball away a few times and a couple of questionable decisions as to what to do with it. Uh, maybe sometimes the crosses or the balls down the line, you could say the decision maker wasn't great. But the amount of work that that boy got through was bloody hell, that was absolutely phenomenal. And you consider that he really did look it for about five minutes after he got treatment and carried on. I thought he was done. Yeah, there was a few players running past him one time when the ball went over his head. He could barely turn around and run, um, and it looked like he was going to have to go off again. But that second half, like I say, from 3-3 onwards, he was non-stop. He was closing down. He made a whole load of tackles like on the halfway line where he basically charged us forwards five, ten yards just to get us upfield again. And the same again you know, later in the match that we're not up to yet, but he did the same over and over again. That was unbelievably good from him. 
Harry, it's mental. We're 3-3. Three, three. Uh, it's sort of wildest dream times and you're thinking, well, I mean, you know, I think most most of us were probably thinking, well, we've done ourselves proud here. This is amazing. Maybe, maybe there's the possibility that we take it to penalties, extra time penalties, who knows. But there's always the fear of that ridiculous threat that they pose. And we were given a horrible, horrible serving of that last week where they had a 3-0 win that was thoroughly undeserved in terms of their dominance of the game. Uh, and so we are always aware that a goal for them leaves us with not just a mountain to climb, but, you know, Everest, even at that stage, having, having made such a comeback. But it's 3-0 on the night. It's 3-all, Harry. And they, Semedo on 75 minutes ends up uh, taking a taking a, a yellow for a foul on Sadio. Trent took on a long shot from a, a free kick, which we should have probably delivered into the box because everyone was up, but uh, they, he did a 1-2 and he took on a long shot from distance. And you're thinking, Trent, lad, what are you doing? And then you, <laughs> you realize it's Trent and you realize that the fella has a brain in his head and he's just seeing stuff. Uh, and then, Harry, that, the goal happens in 78. It's 4-0 to the Reds when Divock Origi pulls off, and let's not underestimate this, a technically beautiful finish. Like, the lad has, it's easy to sort of dismiss him as a big fella and all those cliches, bullshit. That finish is delightfully technical. It's gorgeous, and it's curling into the top corner after Trent's immense bit of vision, improvisation, cleverness, awareness, brightness caught out the entire Barcelona defense with Divock on side and swings one over just like it basically like yeah here you go pal stick that in the empty net and he does but it's not an empty net and he has lots to do it's a glorious goal on so many levels Harry that I don't even know where to start yeah I mean Trent, first and foremost I mean the, the guy has 15 assists this season he's a he's a, he's a 20 year old fullback uh, you know, people wondering why we're signing him to the deal that we did this season is a got an incredibly bright future and incredibly high ceiling and I mean it's a mixture of I mean one to have the ability to actually pull off the cross as well Trev because the cross is a good cross straight to exactly where Origi is I could easily have sort of underhit it overhit it and we saw plenty of that throughout the night not necessarily from him but we saw those underhit passes um, to have the sort of awareness to to try that to, to to have sort of the courage to try that as well, because of course if you mess it up and and it goes wrong and people are questioning what you're trying to do, uh, and you've wasted a good opportunity in a game where you know, all the set pieces I thought were or, or should have been at least big opportunities for us. I mean, I, I thought for, for large portions of the evening the delivery was actually dreadful from us, but um, when it needed to be perfect, it was. Uh, and as you mentioned, I mean the one player I, I remember when we were watching Origi in the past few seasons, uh, even before he went on on his loan. And the one thing that you questioned about him was, does he you know, at times have a striker's instincts? And the only guy who's who's alive to the possibility of anything anything happening at all is uh, our sort of um, super sub, our, our late goal scorer merchant, uh, Divock Origi is there. Um, as you mentioned, very good finish as well. I, th- I think it was PK who was the only one on the Barca side who was alive to it a little bit. 
uh, and it desperately tried to get in the way of the uh, of the finish, um, but it was too late, of course. And at that moment, it's, it's it's just it's just pandemonium in the uh, in the stadium. But you can even see on the replays, you can see the various Liverpool Liverpool players sort of looking around, just checking that that had actually happened. There was no flag, nothing else had happened. And then they I think Lovren's up down the touchline, jumping on uh, on Origi and Trent Van Dijk, sort of almost headbutting Origi instead of celebrating with him. And they're all getting to to witness another one of these Anfield nights, another one of these amazing Anfield nights. And you can just see it in their eyes, Chad. I mean, especially with Virgil and, and a couple of them. You know, this is why they joined. And you know, you almost have to experience it to believe it. And you know, that, that was the start of it. I can't be alone in being the only one who was desperately wanting to celebrate madly and absolutely convinced that Divock was going to be real offside there. I, 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 it, it was there's something about it. I just, I didn't trust it. I was, it was too beautiful. It was too neat, whatever, but it ends up being a thing. And unfortunately for Divock, within a few minutes, he's down. He's in a heap. Uh, he's done. And on 84, uh, Joe Gomez comes on from Divock Origi. Two attempts, two goals, Dave. Uh, they brought on Malcolm for Rakitic, I think, 79, 80 minutes. And on 80 minutes again, around about that moment, we saw Ginny, that aforementioned moment of just beautiful stuff where he go, he, he, he takes the ball forward into two and he turns back into two others. And then he turns away again uh, from those two and just looks as if he's got the entire match on strings and he is between Divock who scored and then hobbled off and Ginny in the middle saying yeah me as well fellas because remember I scored two goals and here I am absolutely selling this team and doing what I want with them it was a lovely few minutes to emphasize the dominance that we'd had and the impact of those two men and you know <laughs> it is lovely actually on 85 Shaq has a, a header at the back post he's totally unchallenged and if he wasn't such a shite header of the ball because he <laughs> seems to be uh, we'd be we'd be five because really it's a terrible attempt He's completely unchallenged at the back post. And I don't know what he does. It's a total dome bouncer. It's a, it's a Joel Matip attacking header that he manages. Then Virgil went down injured, Dave. And we're like, oh, for the love of Christ. Terrifying moment when Virgil oh, was down. Jesus Christ. the only sub we have to bring on is Deja. And you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> Just the worst thing that could possibly have happened here. And Allison then takes a good ball uh, on 87 minutes after a bit of a sustained Barca spell. Virgil's back up and on 80 minutes Virgil's making a fantastic interception because Semedo totally fleeces Joe Gomez who's playing at left back as he comes on and he's not doing too great he gets he's, he's he doesn't have his match legs yet Semedo doesn't but Virgil's there Danny Sturridge comes on uh, five minutes are added on Sadio and Hendo have a little bit of a one-two but it doesn't work out Great, uh, just an immense interception from Ginny Wijnaldum in that injury time, an immense Fabinho win in that injury time, and a drive forward against Messi. For me, that was, that my, was my favorite of the match. Ah, yeah. oh, Carly, yeah. loved it. I loved oh, it. Brilliant. 
it, it reminded me of a moment years ago, and this will mean nothing to most of the people who are listening, where uh, Vladdy Smitzer, when we were playing against Man United, and we were 1-0 up, I think it was one of those Danny Murphy ones, won the ball in midfield and drove forward, drove forward, drove forward, and again got fouled like that. And it was just exactly what we needed at the time. And I was like, yeah, get in the Vladdy, because we needed a lad at that stage to just not only win the ball, but carry a threat. And that's exactly what Fabinho did. For me, that's what makes him above the two lads who scored two goals, head and shoulders for me, the man of the match. Now, yeah. I, start, I started off addressing that to you, Dave, so I'll continue. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, I think after Gomez got fleeced by Semedo, we made a little bit of a tweak where we almost went to a back three and Milner just kind of shuffled between left side of the midfield and left back. And then Ginny, Fabinho and Henderson just shut everybody down in front of them. And the, every time Barca got the ball, we, we knew how to handle it. We, we kind of figured out the puzzle and we were forcing them wide and then forcing, be it Alba and, um, Alba and Malcolm on their, on their left, our right. We we're forcing them onto the right foot, which meant they constantly had to play it back. We we're doing the same on the opposite side. Um, and forcing them onto the weaker foot. And they did just resort to a few crappy crosses into the box. They, you, you were kind of waiting for a moment where we were all going to have to hold our breath. But our lads just didn't allow it to happen. They just kept going, kept pushing them back. And then when they got the ball off them, they were clever. When it needed to be thumped long, they thumped it long. Henderson thumped one long. Uh, Trent thumped one long. Fabinho thumped one long. But when we could just carry the ball and take a bit of time off the whistle and, you know, potentially win a free kick, that they did that as well. And it was, it was such a mature performance from our lads. Once we got that fourth goal, I, there was never really a moment where you thought, Oh God, we've got away with one here. And like, there was 17 minutes from when we scored the fourth until the final whistle went. And yeah, it's never, true. It's never true. Felt they were going to score. No, we didn't get away with it at all. You're right. It was, it was, it was. Uh, mature, cynical, uh, aggressive. It was all the things you'd want from a team in that position. Uh, uh, dominant, actually, if we're honest. It was dominant. And that is an immense thing to say about a team that was already crippled by injuries going in and further crippled during the game. And with the central midfielder, the man that we've both decided, uh, in our opinions, and we'll ask the two other lads, was man of the match. Uh, absolutely handicapped by having a yellow from 10 minutes on. It's, 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 it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous achievement. And we're getting to a stage here where we've been talking for ages about a game that's one of the most exciting games that any of us has ever seen in our, uh, Reds watching career. So we're, we've been, uh, understandably indulgent and talking about a, a bit too much, but I don't want this show to, drag on too long because people like to have a, a, a unit of time that they can consume so Dave while I'm with you give me your sum up thoughts on what we have seen here tonight because it's a little bit different from the usual post-match raw this is an occasion and a half and it's worth a kind of a, a sum up yeah I mean I said at the start it's the greatest performance by an English club in Europe ever and every one of those lads, from you know the lads that started to Daniel Sturridge who came on and you know with six minutes to go and gave it what he had to give it, um, every one of them has written themselves into folklore tonight. And Jurgen Klopp has pulled off 
a masterpiece. Um, we, we hammered him after the first pod, and I think we were right to do so. He had a stinker. I think he had a stinker against Newcastle. But he got everything right tonight. It was a masterclass from Klopp. And as soon as you all stop prattling on, I, I'm going to go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Dave, man. Uh, <laughs> Harry, what about... <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> what, Harry, what about yourself, man? Uh, what, what is it like that you... What is it that 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 is remaining? You, you make it as simple or as complex as you like. What is the thing that is that you're left with at the end of all of this? Because I don't know about you, Harry, but I keep thinking, "Holy fuck, we won that!" That's where I am. I'll be honest with you. It's not very. It's not very clever. It's not very intellectual. It's not very insightful. That's where I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think we necessarily need to have. <laughs> a comprehensive analysis of this game. I mean, it's um, so much of it is you know, lies in emotion. So much about the club on these sorts of nights lies in emotion and sort of tenacity to to seize the opportunity. I mean, for me, I mean, <laughs> seeing James Milner crying <laughs> at the end is is a remarkable thing. You know, this is a man you know, we, we nickname him Ironborn and all all sorts of stuff. Seeing all the players stand in front of the cop as the cop serenades them with "You never walk alone." Uh, seeing Mo Salah, you know, on, on, on the, on the pitch, you know, almost, you know, smile beaming off his face, given the opportunity to, to go back a year later and, and, and finish what he, you know, what he left off in terms of that Champions League final, you know, unfinished business for him, you know, you know a second chance. It's, it's, you know, seeing Jose Enrique lift up a dog in his, in his living room and, uh, singing. Look at, look at, <laughs> look at Jose Enrique yeah. go. Cancer free Jose Enrique. I mean, I mean, incredible, incredible scenes to see. It's you know, the, it's the, be- it's not a beautiful moment for a fella that everybody, everybody surely has time in their heart for Chelsea and Rick. And there he is and he's getting to celebrate it because the man is healthy again because God love him. And anyone's had any scares at their health, they'll know how important it is. He's out at the far end of that. I have nothing but affection for that kid. And there he is, Harry. It's a good point. There he is lifting his cat up. Like, like. <laughs> Like the mentalist we know he is. Like, let's not be honest. It's, 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 it's either Jose with a fucking chimp or some sort of a weird animal or, uh, posing naked in Dubai. He's a mad bastard and it's delightful to see him enjoying it as well. There was one sad thing, Trevor. I mean, I just uh, upset that the atmosphere is slightly ruined by the lack of those, uh, digital banners, of course. Oh, the digital banners. Yes. They are a loss. <laughs> they are a loss. <laughs> Carl, to, to sum up with yourself, I mean, there's so many things you could focus in on. You could be as, uh, as I said before, as in depth, as intellectual, as, as, as detached as you like, or you could be as daft and, and, and emotional as you like. What, 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 what are you left with after that? Because it is, it's a hell of a night to be around, Carl. Well, uh, respect to Dave. I'll keep mine to, uh, just 70 odd minutes or so of summing up so he can get going. Um, look, first of all, <laughs> Klopp still hasn't <laughs> lost a knockout game in Europe under us. I mean, that's just ridiculous at this stage. Um, Christ. over two legs. The only thing I would say is the first leg scoreline in no way reflected the match and the second leg scoreline exactly reflected the match. And I can't give any higher yes. praise to the players than that. Oh man, what a, uh, do you know what? That is absolutely, again, you're making a habit of this, Chief. That's an absolutely.
brilliant way for us to end because it does sum it up perfectly because it does because we had uh, our nominally stronger team and uh, that first that first leg yeah in no way was it was it re- uh, a reflection of what the Reds did in the night and it's just glorious and I hope you're all enjoying it I really do uh, the lads I'm sure will have all their bits as usual Harry will have uh, Rivals Recon I'm sure the lads will be doing Scouted uh, we'll, unless, unless there's any specific extra uh, plugs is there gave you a second no plugs no that's in. everything we should we should we should we should leave it at that then and let people get back to the nights because or their days or whatever it'll be days let's be honest nobody's going to listen to this in the middle of the night but we should wrap it up for this episode of raw with the reds through to the champions league final for the second time in a row this is a remarkable time for you listener to be a red like lean into it embrace it hug it it is absolutely remarkable and we thank you for being with us during this period which happens to coincide with us doing this podcast it's remarkable and we i I do feel genuinely uh privileged to be here to be sharing this with you guys i know all the rest of the contributors feel exactly the same our producers our 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 panelists everybody feels the same it's an amazing time to be read it really is and thanks for being with us if you're a subscriber if you're a trialist what are you hanging around for holy shit get involved this is the place to be i've been trev downey until we speak to you again at the champions league final by the way and then on the last day of the league, by the way, where we can still win the league, by the way, be kind to your fellow Reds and stay safe out there. Network.